filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. About, uh, I don't know, like three and a half hours ago, I got a text from my dad saying that he was getting his first shot uh, from, for the COVID vaccine tomorrow, um, which has been a huge stress for me because he has two comorbidities and Maryland's rollout has been a complete and utter debacle. And I don't want to turn this into a politics podcast, so I'm not going to get into the people that I personally hold responsible, Larry Hogan uh, and others, but um, and Larry nonetheless... Hogan. Nonetheless, uh, he, he, my dad and I actually were in like the same phase, which is preposterous. Like I have no comorbidities and we're talking about my dad and I, so you can figure out that there's an age disparity. Um, but no, he is scheduled to get his first shot tomorrow and that is very good because he had to go back to work. He is a woodworker, so he can't do that from home. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, a couple months of worrying about that, but now, uh, are less worrying. So that's pretty cool. That's outstanding. Um, My mom actually texted me this evening to say that she got her second shot today. Nice. And my parents are now both um, have both shots, which is which is a pretty good feeling. Um, Yep. Although I know that here in D.C., we are not on pace for me or my wife to to get our shots anytime soon. And we've dealt with the registration portal, which has now been replaced, thankfully. Um, but it was a very Hunger Games sort of metric that was not at all fun and was terrible. Right, right. Anyway, I'm looking forward to getting my shot personally. Um, yeah, uh, that's that, going to be that a fun be day. A nice day. Yes, and two weeks after that, you know, it'll be even better. So, yeah. hey, hey, welcome in. It's filibuster, the Black and Red United, and please, COVID, leave our parents alone. Podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Benjamin Bromley. We are all. From blackandredunited.com. I where Benjamin. I know, and you were you were saluting too there. Like Yeah, but it... I don't prefer Benjamin. Okay. We'll stick with Ben then. Ben Bromley of blackandredunited.com, who writes about DC United. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We've got uh preseason stuff galore because camp is now open. Um preseason training opened officially on Monday of this week. It's now Wednesday night as we record this. Uh, so we're going to talk about the roster. We're going to talk about the schedule. We know the home opener now. We'll get into that in the second segment. Before we do anything, though, Ben, what are you drinking? It's spring, damn it, and I'm drinking a gin and tonic because it's goddamn spring. Well done. I approve. Yep. Jason. Uh, it is. It is spring, damn it. Uh, and I also am drinking a gin and tonic. Uh, I'm not actually, <laughs> Amazing. I'm not drinking it yet. Uh, I actually muted my microphone because I was opening the bottle and I realized it was going to be loud um, and just in, <laughs> interfere with Ben's talking. So, um, but yeah, gin and tonic, uh, pretty standard tank array, top shelf limes from limes, etc. I'm do- I'm doing a Bombay Sapphire for mine. And your Perfectly lime? Cromulet. Uh, my my lime is uh, bottom shelf limes. It's Kroger lime juice. Okay, I I am I did not get the memo that apparently circulated. Um, so I I found a, a recipe for a drink I had not made before over the weekend called the beautiful cocktail, and I was like, well, I should have that on the show because it's a soccer podcast. See, and I'm corny, and soccer's the beautiful game, so I'm going to have the beautiful cocktail. Um, and also, there's is, a lot of corn in Indiana. It, it's there's more than corn in Indiana. If you go to Indiana beach, um, that's wait, a jingle wait, that what? plays all the time. What is in, in wait, No, no, I, I no, I need more information. What is Indiana beach? Indiana doesn't have beaches. I guess maybe on like Michigan it has one. But... It has one Indiana beach. Is that on like Michigan? I, possibly. I don't know. I've never been there. 
when I was at Purdue, there were commercials for it. So you just heard went. Indiana Beach and 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 it's like a theme park. I don't know if it's actually on. I don't know if it's actually on Lake Michigan or if it's on another lake that's more inland, um, or you know, not connected to the Great Lakes. Uh, you can Google it and look it up. I've never been that curious because I have no desire to but go. But you brought it up. Yep. And that's just going to have to torture you. Anyway, the beautiful cocktail is equal parts cognac and orange liqueur. Um, you can ice it or not. Drink it in a snifter. It's not bad. Wait, wait. That's it? That's the, the two things that go in it? Yeah. With that name? I thought with an extravagant name like there, or at least a name that it promises extravagance. Um, right. So... Indiana Beach so, just like soccer beer, is a simple uh, game, but playing it simply is the beaches. hardest thing there is. I, I I'm gonna let you draw the line to connect I, that to the cocktail. I don't know. It, it looks kind of like uh, Adam just took a drink of it, and what it looks like is not necessarily what I would say is beautiful. It actually looks to me more like if you remember being a little kid and going to like a kids party, and someone's yes. parents would supply orange drink. No, this is more of a lovely yes. amber color. It I think. The, right, it looks like the, if your if your friend's parents provided you some apple juice, it's not unlike. Is this apple juice looking? <laughs> it doesn't taste like apple juice. Thing. Is this some sort of orangeade or it sunny is D? Is no. it some orangina? Uh, no, and no, it is called the beautiful cocktail. I am told <laughs> by some web page on the internet. And, 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 apparent, and as you can tell, we, we dispute that fact. That's fine. Soccer is called the beautiful game. And we've all seen English soccer. So, And we've also all seen CONCACAF. And, you know, we're, we're DC United fans. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. Um, yeah. Anyway, now that, now that we're all sad, uh, the, the preseason is officially here, as I mentioned. And, uh, the preseason roster is out now, even as signings continue to roll in. The most recently announced signing is $550,000 of general allocation money. Garber Bucks, uh, DC United, has not, obtained... Not yet officially announced. Not Okay, not, not yet officially. We, we so know this it's is, coming, but not the teams have not given us the official and awkwardly worded press release. Yeah, it uh, may be official by the MLS. time this podcast... Right. comes out and by the time people are listening but as we record it is not official uh i should say the most recently reported uh signing is the the garber bucks the monopoly money that dc united is going to be getting from fc cincinnati in exchange for the rights to luciano luciano acosta who since he is bringing back to mls from atlas in liga emikis um and uh, we we talked about this a little while ago it would have been real cool to see lucho back here but his 2019 wasn't exactly a, a grand farewell, and he hasn't exactly torn it up in Atlas. Uh, which, granted, Atlas is a disaster on all fronts. So, as always, th- there there could be more going on there than just him. Um, he did have an assist recently, though, so that's something. Sure. Uh, but he's going to an FC Cincinnati team that is well known it's for terrible. being a mess. So yeah, uh, it, it it could get interesting, um, and also the, the uh, biggest. I feel like oh, go ahead. Oh no, I just I feel like Luciano Costa goes to metropolitan areas. He was in D.C. He was in Guadalajara. He was interested in going to Paris, and I can say this since I'm from Cincinnati. Cincinnati is not D.C. or Guadalajara or Paris. So it'll be just interesting to see how he adapts to that uh, chili-tastic uh, environment. It's the the lifestyle, definitely. I, I imagine I haven't been to Guadalajara, but I imagine it's uh, it's going to be different for Lucho. Um, but maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he wants going to be grilling a lot of meat. He was doing that anyway. I mean, so maybe that's part of it. Is he's like, look, I'm going to do. Cincinnati does like grilling meat. So right. That is so maybe... one thing Cincinnati's good at. Maybe that's something he's looked into is uh, the the yeah, the, but... uh, the how much he'll fit in with just a massive grill doing an Argentine style uh, cookout where people are like, yeah, that looks like about enough. The Germans um, in Cincinnati be like, we get this. This 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 like, makes sense to us. Or, uh, our new neighbor I, cooks out a lot, uh, and that's that'll be the end of it. The most important thing I want everyone to take away from this is that none of you are to tell my six year old 
that Lucho is back in MLS playing for another team. That will not fly. We cannot have that. She will lose it. She's been through enough with distance education and the pandemic and everything else. Do not put this on her. If you see us, do not mention that Lucho is playing for Cincinnati. There will be consequences. I assure you, I will find you. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this on me. I'm, I'm not doing it. I, I'm no, I, I'm well known to like needle Adam. I'm not doing this one. No, uh-uh. this is, no. this is, this is a bridge too far. <laughs> I, I think if I if I encounter Adam's children uh, at the stadium, I think I'll stick to topics like Talon. They do love Talon. Yeah, yeah. Talon ever signed for another team, that would be the only thing worse than Lucho doing so, I think, in their eyes. Thankfully, <laughs> that's unlikely. I hope I didn't just speak that into existence. Oh, my you, God. Adam! Oh, no. Look, uh, I see on Twitter, Talon has just signed for uh, the Inter-Miami. Uh, it doesn't even make sense. Oh, oh, and now DC United is suing them for intellectual property theft. <laughs> All right, that I could get into. Uh, <laughs> on on the actual DC United player front, uh, a few things that we've talked about in recent weeks have become official now. Kamarni Smith, DC United's uh, number four overall draft pick, uh, England national, English national. I'm not sure exactly the the right construction of that phrase. Anyway, he's from England. And uh, went to Clemson for college. He's now signed with DC United. He's an attacker. Uh, projects somewhere in an attacking spot, possibly yeah. even as far back as a wing back for, for DC United. If they play a 3-4-3, you could see him at any of those outside spots, potentially. Um, he's coming in. Uh, Giovanni Bolivar in from uh, Venezuela on loan. Brendan heinz uh American center back from Courtrai in Belgium on loan for the year. So those uh, those are all official now, which is which is nice. I mean, it, it seems like, at least for MLS, loans seem to be the name of the game this offseason. I, I think it's probably partially just like the world economic climate, just like that everyone doesn't know what to do. So it's just like loans, loans, loans. We're just going to push all of this off until we know what our budgets are next year. But I feel like it's, giving DC United some advantages because I feel like they're getting slightly better players at slightly better cost than they might have in 2019. So hopefully they can, they can use these players to their advantage. Brendan, Brendan Hines Ike is going to be a key player on the back line, no matter what, because Frederick Briant is old. Yes. Steven Birnbaum is hurt. Uh, uh, Donovan also Pines true. has been hurt on and off. Uh, so Brendan Hines Ike is good. I, I feel like the over under on him starting games is twenty four. If they play a typical thirty four game season, I mean, I feel like he's going to start most of the games of the season just throughout everything. So yeah, especially if I feel there's like a giving him. System. Right, exactly. And even if there isn't, I feel like through regular churn and given the amount of depth, not depth, that they have, he's going to start a lot of games. And so I feel like they got him a little easier than they might have in a different offseason where uh, just like stonks were going just straight up and everything was uh, uh, stonks because... It's not right now. Well, stonks are stonks right yeah. now, but the rest of the economy isn't so much. I mean, you know, you know what I mean. Metaphorical stonks. <laughs> Other than stonks, stonks, non-stonk stonks. Right. Um, DC United's no strangers to those kind of loan deals, though. I mean, Lucho came on a loan deal originally before they made it permanent. Assad and and TT Rodriguez were both here on loan deals that they were not able to make permanent. They tried to renegotiate, and the you know. The team that owned the rights balked and said no. Right. And in Assad's case, just didn't play him for a year. <laughs> right. And that hasn't been the case with with Lucas Rodriguez, who I guess another update on that. He has not been announced officially as he, joining DC United. The, and he got hurt. Yeah. Um, which is kind of an unknown as to how bad that is. Um, it did occur to me, though, that, that the adductor injury is something that kept him out while he was here as well. Um, when he missed some time, he had an adductor injury. So um, I don't know if it's much time when he was no, here. He, he didn't miss a lot. ton of games. Um, but um, no, I, I don't think it's a recurring thing, but it did strike me as a little curious, um, which who knows? I mean, 
it's hard as we're going to get into to see how DC plans to get all of these players in uh, without a little magical thinking in terms of uh, getting some green cards, because as we've talked about a bunch, green cards are kind of an unknown. Can DC United borrow Tom Daschle from the spirit and just like grease all of this into getting green cards? Well, I mean, that hasn't that hasn't changed out. Like, that hasn't actually turned into uh, Julia Radar being allowed into the U.S. yet. So um, we don't know if that plan worked uh, at this point. Um, so, but it's more it's it's worked more than anything DC United has ever had. Well, we don't know if we don't we all we know is that none of the players in question have gotten their visa or green card. So maybe that's our problem. Is just across the board. Wait. It's, a, it's a no everywhere. <laughs> Jason, I've got a plan. Somehow we should make Chicago native Barack Obama, who is now living in D.C., just become a uh, D.C. United owner. And then, like, they can't tell Barack Obama no. He can just grease all the wheels. They they can, in fact. It's their job. <laughs> no, they can't. At, at this point, too, no, to tell him. No, no. No, we will Adam, not give you Adam, special Adam, treatment. Adam, would you say, would, would you tell Barack Obama no? Really depends on what he's asking. If he's asking if he can tell my six-year-old that Lucho plays for Cincinnati, the answer is a hard no. Barack no, Obama. but if he's asking, uh, can uh, uh, can we just like make DC United's uh, roster better? Well, I mean, if anyone asks me that, I'm going to say yes. Right. Exactly. That's that. I don't think that makes your point the way you think it does. It does. It does. Um, as Jason said, DC United are now out of international roster spots with the signings of Smith and Bolivar. They're they're at zero, right? They're not at negative no, one yet. They're at negative one. Oh, they they're are at negative, negative one. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So they're actually in the hole. They need to find an international roster to, slot. To and that's put even all of these guys on the roster at least. They could theoretically say he's on DC United's books, but we're gonna send him down to Loudon for a little while. Right. Um someone like Bolivar. Or, or, at his age, might be a candidate for that, though. It doesn't it doesn't seem like that the, the signs are that DC doesn't necessarily think he's a guy they're going to park at Loudon for an entire season. So, well, couldn't they like keep them off? Like, I, I, I'm couldn't they keep him off? Couldn't they keep somebody off the roster for a game and uh, still be under the uh, roster rules? No, I don't think so. I think you're you, you can't deactivate a player just for one game if they're on your roster. No, after you, the roster okay. compliance date, like you can send them on. I don't think sending them on loan like relieves the international spot for if it's just a temporary like one game no, loan there, or something. There is there is does. an active roster. You are theoretically allowed to do these things. Teams do not do yeah. this because their players will be very quickly extremely irritated with them. They said, right. And if you're spending the money on an international player, you're 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 gonna find a way to make you're spending too much to uh 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 memory hole them into a weird roster situation yeah there's there's no this is all it's a it's a theoretical but yes you could do that you just risk all of your international players becoming enraged at you uh so teams do not do it um i think i think this happened i think this happened to Maybe Cincy or Minnesota, I think maybe one of the newer teams, uh, Orlando also comes to mind um, as possibly having done this, where there was some sort of situation where they ended up with an international that could not be put on the field for weeks on end. Um, And, you know, that's that's like a catastrophe in terms of managing an MLS roster like that should never happen. So um, they are at they're in need of one now and maybe they've kind of exposed their hand a little bit um because now if everyone knows they need one then the price goes up um if they had gotten but they've got a ton of money to spend on those right and well that's another thing that's going to probably drive the price up a little bit is just that teams know that they've got that money um the other thing that's going to the other thing that's going to drive the price up is is reporting i think from the athletic that there's only nine or so somewhere in the ballpark of nine right. unused international roster spots across the entire league. And that um, was written, if I'm not mistaken, that was written when DC still had an open one. So um, that they are as scarce a commodity as they've ever been. Yes. And DC United hasn't even signed their reported young DP target in Nigel Roberta, who only scored four goals in two games over the last 
week or so um, over there in Bulgaria. So, but also that, that, that rumor goes up and down. Like, I I don't know what the situation of that rumor is because it feels like it's like, they're going to sign him. Oh no, they're not going to, it's just, it feels like it goes up and down and up and down. Yeah. So that's how rumors tend to go. No, but I mean, on again, off again, will they, won't they? I I know a lot about rumors. This one seems a lot more like hot and cold than a normal uh, MLS rumor. This is why we should call this a, this is a transfer saga rather than a transfer rumor. The fact that it has saga territory. Yes, the fact that it has this many changes and back and forths uh, gets it into the saga category in my mind. A rumor is just like, maybe he's going to, this guy might sign with your team. I don't know. And then, like, yeah, a rumor is like Christian Castillo, or uh, I mean, right. he he signed, right? But yeah, but it was a rumor before that. Somebody... And I'm I'm right. just saying that like the, those rumors are how I got onto this website, so I'm just referencing them. I uh, I will say though, um, this is the behavior of a team that does not that believes they've got a solution to this international spot conundrum. Yeah. So, um. We've never seen DC end up in a spot where they don't know what to do with all these internationals. Um, so I don't think I, I don't think it's going to drag out. I don't think we're going to enter the season with no or with somebody they're, who can't they're, play. It's not gonna, they're not going like to get that. sued like uh, uh, Inter Miami is because of uh, uh, Matuti. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Blaze Matuidi situation in which his uh, his salary was being. Uh, paid so incorrectly because like MLS the rule book like there are ways to get around it or at least get people to be like guys it would be better for the league if we just kind of all collectively decide that this one can slide um right that's like the being Galaxy's, a TAM player when he joined they, well the galaxy's business model for its entire existence has been based around uh hey guys it would be better for all of us if this will just <laughs> if you guys just kind of let us have this one but um, they recently got their wrist lap they had to let go uh, uh what's his face Right, right. Uh, the rules weren't b- bendable for the uh, having Dos Santos, uh, Geo Dos yeah. Santos, mm-hmm. and and everyone else. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, the Matuidi situation is actually an echo of like a '90s MLS thing where players were on, you know, oh, it's this guy's making the maximum salary, and you just, you know, you wonder like, well, I'm surprised that like Carlos Valderrama came to MLS for only that much money, and it's like, well, he didn't. Uh, they just found. A way to say that somebody else put the money up from somewhere else. That's that's how yeah. that worked. And it was a commercial it, agreement. Right. Um right. so uh no, DC is not gonna end up in that situation. They're not gonna it's just that we don't know how we don't know what the solution is, but yeah, there's gonna be a solution. Whether that's you know it's offshore Ola, payments. Whether it's Ola Kamara gets no. his green card faster than expected, or whether that's DC just trades some of this giant pile of GAM that they've built up. Um, to or it's get... offshore payments. It would be, I will say this, if DC gets to eight international spots, um, it'll be the first time in like three years where they've had, because you're supposed to have eight. Um, when you, when it's you the natural walk, number. When you walk in the door for MLS, they say, here's your eight. Um, Unless you've traded one away for, for 50 years or whatever. Uh, Eternity had... in one case. No, but but you can't have traded it before you got it. I'm saying that you get you have to get them before you can start giving them away. Um, DC's right, but two been, teams have done have done that. No, no, they never. They couldn't have traded them before they got them. You, you're, they got you're them defying, in the past and traded them. Yeah, if you if if Ben Bromley FC joined, uh, sorry, it would be yeah. Ben Bromley SC. Let's be clear, joined MLS tomorrow, yeah. you would get eight international slots which you could then trade away. Right, and then I would trade one away for a, a hundred years. I mean, that's your business at that point. Uh, would you, I, think... I mean, could you structure that so that you get 100000 a year in GAM from that team or 200000 a year from the team you traded it to? I, like, I, I, I would could prob- they trade I would future probably, GAM that far? I, I would probably uh, 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 reference it to uh, the CPI. So I, I would need it to... Uh, uh, Grow with inflation every year. Would you, would you index that to the CP, actual CPI or just like the, the salary cap? Uh, I probably, no, I would probably target it to the stonk market because that's even uh, going to go more than the salary cap. Yeah, so. the only team you could con that hard would be Cincinnati. So um, good right. luck to you. Or maybe, or maybe I would let Your be connections like, there hey, could help. 
<laughs> or maybe like, hey, Merritt Paulson, let's let let's peg this to Bitcoin. That'll go re- potentially well for you for a little while, and then really, really bad. Right. Um. We have to move on now to uh, a, a harder topic to talk about. Paul Ariola um, had some of his old tweets dug up uh, in in recent days, um, and they were not easy to read. Um, there, there was a sexist tweet. There were several racist tweets that included the N word. Um, and he released a statement before most of us had even seen or heard about the tweets. He was, he was proactive in it. And he, he put a statement up on Twitter, um, saying, quote, I am ashamed and apologize for the choice of offensive and discriminatory words I used in the tweets as they were not acceptable then or now. I can assure you that I have grown and learned since then. And those tweets did not accurately portray me as a human being at the time in my life. And they certainly do not now. Um, he goes on, but, but that's the, the main paragraph. The tweets were from 2012 when Ariella was, I think, 17. Um, he did the right thing, getting out and apologizing. But these tweets suck. Yeah, they suck. And... I don't agree that that they didn't represent him then because they did. He tweeted them. Uh, they did represent him then. And I'm glad he's grown. And that is important. Uh, and, but also, I like, I don't think we can just wipe it away with saying like he was 17 then. I think we need to uh, say that and we need to tell our current 17 year olds that stuff like this isn't acceptable even when you're 17. So I think him getting in trouble for this is right and and uh him growing from this is good and i hope he continues to grow from it um but just wiping it away is like oh he was 17 isn't acceptable because we also need to hold our 17 year olds accountable for this sort of thing because it's just as bad then as it is now yeah um that's that's pretty dead on you know um I saw, and I don't think this was the predominant perspective people had, but I saw at least one person trying to argue that because he was 17, he was a child and therefore shouldn't be held accountable for this sort of belief. And that's not true. I mean, yes, children sometimes make mistakes or teenagers make mistakes that you shouldn't do and you wouldn't do as an adult, but that doesn't mean that you just are allowed to do them and just be told, hey, don't do that. And that's the end of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it was really disappointing, uh, to, to read that or to read those, I should say, uh, those tweets. And, um, you know, I, I want to point people towards, uh, Roseroom Collective's statement, uh, about the situation, especially because, um, you know, there's a kind of thing where, uh, this can become, a moment for growth for Paul Ariola, and maybe it brings some other people, some other fans might realize they made some mistakes like this uh, and ha- yeah. they have to, you know, adjust themselves and, and, you know, atone for that. But we also have to be cautious about making that story such a, a thing where like he's centered in his actions and then his, uh, attempt to recover becomes like, Oh, what a, what a heartwarming story. And it's like, well, it's not really that heartwarming because of what right. he did. Um, right. We can't yes. put him, he can't be the star of the show for all of this. He has to, he does have to take the actions he says he wants to take. Um, he does have to follow through and, and as a fan base, as media, um, everyone needs to stay on him and stay on the team. Uh, right. and make- these, these actions don't even necessarily have to be, public and they right um yeah. he needs to do them and he, he use the word atone and that's that's exactly right it it's not on the three white men on this podcast to forgive paul Ariola. right we are not the ones oh, no. who were yeah. hurt by as, as much as it did hurt us to see it we were not the ones who were actually injured and harmed by that and those tweets do cause harm yes perpetuating sexism perpetuating racism does cause harm and you can't just say sorry and you can't say I've learned yeah. there needs to be atonement. There needs to be some way to fix what you did. 
And, and that's one of the things Rose Room Collective's statement um, did really well, uh, I thought, is calling for that. If you, if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'm going to read it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead. And they wrote, we acknowledge and appreciate the swift response from Paul Ariola and DC United on the racist and sexist tweets from 2012. This does not absolve the individual in totality, but it is the start of a process. The inclusion of conscious and unconscious bias training is a welcome development that would be better reaffirmed with future commitments. Anti-racism and anti-sexism efforts are an ongoing lifestyle at all parts of the year. Uh, racism and sexism in the United States cannot be stopped with performative actions, but with real tangible efforts from the individual and to the community. Along with the training, we encourage Paul to donate to any number of organizations, such as the Legal Aid Justice Center, Sanctuary DMV, or the Baltimore Legal Action Team that work daily to fight the structural racism and sexism embedded in this country. We look forward to the future steps taken by Paul to ensure real growth has been made. Um, I think that gets it exactly right. Zero people in this conversation are trying to cancel Paul Ariola. That is not a thing that anyone right. is doing yeah. or has done. Calling for accountability for one's actions that he admitted were wrong and that right. caused harm. Yeah. Expecting them to be corrected, not just apologized for, is is correct. And that's, I, I hope... Uh, I hope and especially Paul takes since he's the opportunity a person to to grow from this and to make these communities whole again from from his actions. And especially since he's a person of extreme privilege who has a ton of uh, just like he has a platform, sure, but he also has a ton of uh, uh, monetary uh, privilege where he can do really important things, uh, just like with his platform and with his money to to change things and so uh he has uh a big platform to make things different yeah and i i hope that if if any of us step in it like this that that we are able to and this goes for the three of us and and anyone listening yeah i hope that we are grown up and mature and thoughtful enough to atone and make it right and to not make it about ourselves yes we we all want to be the protagonist of our own story and that's completely natural but sometimes you have to divorce yourself from that and recognize that other people are the protagonists of their stories and you may be the antagonist and you need to fix that yeah if you Uh, if 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 any of us have fucked up i I, I mean i'll just speak for me here if if i fucked up uh, like it we will need to, I will, I will need to make those amends and, and we'll do that hard work. So, and we hope that other people do that too, because that's necessary because we've, we have all of the privilege. We have all of the, uh, uh, access. We like, we're, we're three cis white men on this podcast. Like, yeah, we've got all of that privilege. So we need to do just as much. Yeah. And, and on that just, note, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Adam. Um, I would just add to that, that like, you've probably made a mistake. Yeah. I mean, you like listener, uh, have probably made some kind of mistake, um, in some category. Maybe it's not as bad. Hopefully it's not as bad as, as saying the things that, that Paul did when he did say those things. Um, but like, don't let the, cause it, it can seem like a massive thing. Like, how am I going to fix this? Um, but don't let the size of that, what it looks like stop you from then fixing it. Um, you know, you can't just be like, well, that's really bad and I won't do it anymore. And then you move on with your life and you feel bad, but you don't actually fix it. Um, that's not good either. Uh, you know, maybe you fix it with yourself, but again, you know, like we were talking about, it's not just about you. It's not even mostly about you at that point. Yeah. Um, you have to do what you can, which is try and make a, you know, make a difference, uh, in your behavior and go from there. But you can't just be like, wow, this looks like it's going to be hard. Uh, I guess I'm just going to call it, uh, and, and hope that everyone moves on to something else because sure, you know, most of our lives do tend to have so much going on that we tend to end up having to move on to something else. That doesn't mean that what you did is gone. It's still going to stick with people and it's still going to stick with, uh, a lot of fans uh, for this team are going to have a hard time with that for a long time. And, um, you know, Paul's going to have to take that on and hopefully 
you know, if, if people have a similar instance or a less severe, but still a uh, thing that they think, wow, I re- really wish I hadn't said that, you know, you can still, you can still go ahead and start to try and, you know, make some progress on that. It's just, you know, you have to actually do it. Uh, you can't think that, well, I, I screwed that one up and that's, that's it. You have to actually then do some stuff afterwards. Yeah. And again, I do want to, I do want to credit Paul with apologizing up front before he was before right. he had before, to before right. people before someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. before someone made him go and like give you you know the public statement where the person yeah. is clearly doing it under duress um this wasn't one of those yeah that doesn't mean that he's off the hook but no it, not, he, a, not at all i do credit him for that he still made a major mistake that he has to yeah. atone for all of those things can be true and on that note we'll call it a segment we'll be right back uh after this All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast we now know as of wednesday who DC United will be playing to start the 2021 season and uh, every week leading up to it, in fact, because we have the preseason schedule too. Let's start with the regular season. DC United will kick off at home on Buzzard Point against NYCFC on Saturday, April 17th. Um, We know their second game too, because all the home openers were announced and DC United happens to be the opponent for the New England Revolution's home opener the following week, Saturday, April 24th. Uh, we don't know the TV situation for those games yet. Um, I imagine or, they will probably be streamed on DC United's website. Uh, yeah, the preseason games, I don't do expect we, to be do on we, TV. Do we even know the, the, the TV deals? We don't know all? anything. We know nothing about Currently TV for DC United unknown. this year. We don't know because all we know is these first two games. We don't even know if or how many nationally so, televised games flow, DC United flow, will play this year. They be back on Flow Sports. Probably not. I would... <laughs> I, I would be doubtful of that, yeah. But I, I feel like that the only way for the team to undo any of the goodwill that they've gotten by things like hiring a coach that is talking about playing attacking soccer, uh, hiring Danita Johnson, the, several other things they've done this offseason. Throwing into, flow sports in the trash. Right. Well, bringing them back out of the trash and putting them back on would, the mantle. Would undo would all be, of that. Yeah, I think that would be the worst thing they could do. Uh, or maybe Luckily, not think... the worst, but, you know close to it luckily based on what i've heard um from from what Danita johnson has said it sounds like she's focused on making the team more visible not less so that would be good uh i've long said my ideal situation for dc united is some kind of deal with nbc4 and telemundo 44 um and then timing kickoffs to to match with the end of the big national premier league game nationally televised premier league game uh, like early afternoon on on Saturdays, so that would be ideal. I think. I don't think that's going to happen because these games are kicking off at eight p.m. A victory um, for me, Jason. <laughs> eight p.m. the earliest acceptable kickoff time. Says the childless man. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I I admit it's an extremist viewpoint. Uh, but when I when I hear about ten p.m. kickoffs in Spain, I think yeah, it sounds about right. Like I would prefer 
as a as a child person, as a person who has children, <laughs> a, child prefer, person. A, a child person, child <laughs> person. I prefer no, childless. Either, a child person. Either seven p.m. or eight thirty p.m. But like eight p.m. is like right when I'm putting my kid to bed, and that's the worst. Per- that's the worst time. This is why I want those afternoon games. Also, night games in April are very cold. And I prefer sunshine during that time of year. And I think before Labor Day or before Memorial Day and after Labor Day, more daytime kickoffs. That's what I want. Just or maybe we should just, or maybe we should just, maybe DC United as a soccer team's positions should be uh, uh, all daylight savings all the time, ban standard time. I don't know if DC United gets to have a position on that because that's a bit broader than a stadium. But, you know, if that's what they want to do, you know, Viacon Dios. Um, looking at these opponents, uh, pretty tough draw to start the year. Um, New England uh, being tabbed as a dark horse candidate to contend in the East and, and make a run in the playoffs. They were pretty good at the end of last year. And who knows what Bruce Arena is going to have cooking for them this year. NYCFC... Always tough to play against. DC United did not look good. They they were, I think, the team that got Ben Olsen fired, technically. That's correct. Um, and then they are also the team that DC United held to a scoreless draw without taking a single shot on goal. So, Which, if anything, seems to have lingered in the minds of fans longer than the, the loss that ended uh, Olsen's tenure, the 4-1 loss um, that was on the heels of losing 4 nothing at, at Atlanta. Um, yeah, I think for or no, I'm sorry, not at Atlanta in DC. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, the the zero shot game is the one that that sticks with people uh, maybe longer because that was a historic. Yeah, uh, so DC, new look DC United gets to break it out against the team that they had two of their most memorable in the worst way performances in 2020 against, uh, and they'll do it right here in the District of Columbia. Um, Ronnie Dylas says that NYCFC basically has their first 11 and no one else. They have no depth is what he says. Um, that probably won't be tested in the first week of the season. Um, but, you know, who knows? So uh, big opportunity, big challenge for for Hernan Losada and DC United to start the year. Do um, you guys have any other thoughts on those first couple games at this point before we move backwards to the preseason? I mean, with with NYCFC, it's it'll definitely be a difficult game. Though, um, anytime a coach is is exasperated enough to decide to tell the media that he thinks that there are not enough players available um, to to have a strong season or to make a real attempt at winning anything, um, it, I mean, yes, there's it, that is a tactic you can use to kind of get your uh, ownership to put more money in, and certainly if you coach for a city football group funded team who suddenly doesn't have enough players, you've got to be wondering, hold on a second. You guys have how many billions of dollars and we just don't have enough guys. Um, Some of it's stuck on a wire in the middle of the Atlantic or something. uh, Yeah. Right. It's uh, just hanging there. You have to go get it. You have to get in a boat and and go grab it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, that's not the best indicator as far as where their heads are at. Um, But I will say that I think the possibility with both of those games, really, um, if Lozada's style is as open and risk-taking as he's indicated and as his history indicates, um, Ronnie Dyla's teams love to also play that that vertical on-the-ground transition style of soccer. Bruce Arena's team last year was like, screw it, we're not going to be able to keep teams off the score sheet. Uh, we'll, we're just going to trust Matt Turner to do what he can do, and the rest of the team is going to be trying to um, put some goals on the board with uh, Carlos Hill and um, Gustavo Bo is going to take 15 shots and uh, improbably uh, put some of them away. Um, and somehow so, Teal Bunbury is going to be the team leader in goals. Right. Um, so, uh, so there is a distinct chance that we come right out of the gates with the high scoring games that uh, Lozada's had in the past. I don't know if we're talking 5-5, but these are teams where it – it could happen. Um, it could be completely wild in those first two games. So, yeah, um, and that that reminds me of something else before we get to the preseason schedule. Uh, Losada said this week it's going to be tough to get results right out of the gate uh, because 
he's installing a totally new system. And when you are doing that, you have to break down old habits and instill new ones. And there's almost always a learning curve. It's often a lot easier just to, you know, take the reins off like Chad Ashton did and get a few results that way without changing the underlying structure of the team. Anytime you change that structure, you can build higher later, but there might be some negatives in the the shorter term. And so we might see that. I think DC United is going to be a lot better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning, um, assuming their fitness holds up. And if it does, I think this team, if they make the playoffs, they could be a surprise team in the playoffs uh, if this system works out as well as I hope it will. But there's going to be a period during which DC United takes some lumps and it, it might be against NYCFC and New England in the first couple of weeks. We'll see. Um, we might ambush them. We'll see. I don't know. Anything can happen. The team might come out of the gate and just go crazy and win all the th- all the time. We do have from the, the benefit. Jump. That would be awesome. But we have the it, benefit of being the team that is more unknown. Um, yes, that might it can cut the other way where the unknown is you and your teammates don't know what to do uh, just yet. But you know, there's plenty of tape of what the arena revs and NYCFC want to do. Um, and they haven't made sweeping, neither of those teams have made sweeping changes to anything. They don't have any mysterious new player that no one knows about. So, you know, there is a distinct chance, at least, that if DC gets their preparation right, that they have that element of surprise that those two teams won't have going the other way. So, you know, maybe maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't. But uh, I don't know. I, I have the hunch, just a gut feeling that um, I don't know how the games are going to go. I just imagine they're going to be very, very high, high volume in terms of scoring chances uh, kind of games. I'm not going to be sad about that. Um, at this point, I'm just going to enjoy it. Uh, preseason schedule is out for DC United. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they open camp this week. Uh, next week, they go to Cary, North Carolina, down in the Triangle, uh, where they will play their uh, first match March 20th Car- against... I'll just say, having lived in uh, Chapel Hill for a while, Cary sucks. Okay, it is part of the triangle, though. It is you can call it it within the triangle. Oh yeah, I I thought I thought that's why you were groaning, not because it's bad, but because no, uh, no, no, it just you were disagreeing. No, it's in the triangle. It just sucks. Okay, I mean, some part of it has to, right? But they have soccer fields in Cary, so that's where DC United's going. They're going to play uh, on March 20th. They'll they'll play their first preseason match against John Harks and the uh, USL League One champion Harks. Greenville Triumph. <laughs> Ooh, ah, uh, Johnny Harks. I, I feel like showing up to play just John Harks alone uh, <laughs> is it doesn't really serve anyone's interests. Um, so I'm I'm glad he's bringing his team. Yes, uh, he is the manager. Uh, led them to uh, a third division championship. So, so uh, good, good team to play with that first, that first preseason match. Uh, DC United comes home the next day uh, on the 26th. They'll host Loudoun United, some club nobody around here has ever heard of, except that it's part of the same organization and very important part of the organization at that. Uh, next up are a couple of games in Chester, PA. They'll play the Union on the 31st of March and then NYCFC on April 4th. And then their final tune-up will be up in Jersey, April 10th against the Metros. Um, And as I mentioned, no idea on TV or streaming for us nerds who really, really want to watch preseason matches. Probably none is my guess. In recent years, it's been none, which is really sucked. It hasn't been none the whole time. There's usually one um, in there. And, And I will say, you know, I, I don't know where in Cary they plan on playing Greenville. Uh, if they play uh, at Wakemed, uh, Wakemed has Salem Stadium, which is where the North Carolina Courage play. It's very easy to set up streaming there. Uh, there's also a field just if you're if you ever go to that stadium, if you're on the concourse and you look away from the stands, there's just a field right next to the stadium. Um, like literally if you wanted to watch a game on that second field, you would just stand in the stadium. It would be the best place to watch it. Um, but that's not set up for any sort of video. So generally speaking, when the excuse has been there to not have video, uh, MLS teams have just not done it. Um, 
so if they're playing on that second field, then I don't anticipate anything. But um, playing at Audi Field, uh, you know, you would hope that uh, we know we know that you can broadcast games from there. <laughs> um, yeah, the pretty... NYCFC game is at the Union's um, training, training ground. Yes, which is but, right next to the stadium again. Yeah, but the game against the Union is at Subaru Park. The game against the Metros is at Red Bull Arena. Uh, as you said, the game against Loudon is at Audi Field. Uh, these games should be at, televised or or at least streamed. Right, and, and maybe, you know, maybe the pressure in this case, because DC is only hosting one of the games, that game, sure, uh, obviously they they own all of the um, the implements and responsibilities, so they should be putting the game on. Um, but the union, uh, if you if you want to pressure the union to put the game on, I think DC and Philly fans can get together on that one because there's no excuse for them not to televise a game that's in their own stadium, um, or not televised but stream. Um, and the same with the Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. The those games inside a stadium, like the training ground games, I get it. You know, if you've been to those places, it really is just a patch of grass. It's nice grass, but there's not like an infrastructure for powering cameras. There's not a, right. an infrastructure for connecting multiple cameras. You'd you would most likely be talking about one person filming with an iPhone at shield level. Know, Right. Or, or maybe standing up on like a, a, a milk crate, a plastic milk crate or something. <laughs> um, so I get it. You know, when, when those games happen, it's still irritating. I think the team should still have the infrastructure in place to actually say like, okay, we have to pack X, Y, and Z in the trailer and take that down there. Um, the team, the league should make teams have to do that. Uh, but the league doesn't make them do that. So I get that those games might not have a stream. But the ones being played in the stadium, there's no excuse. Um, so right. the home team in those cases has all of the stuff they need, <coughs> including the building. There's no reason for them not to at least have those three on the stream. So we'll end the show with the demand. Stream your damn preseason games. That people is that is the filibuster demand. About, people want to get Just, excited at this time we of want year. It. Seriously, we all especially want it. for DC. Give it to us. Just we give want it to it. us. We want it. Thank you all for listening uh, to this week's show. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, find us on Twitter as well, filibusterdcu and at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, review, uh, subscribe, whatever right. else you do at your podcast thing i completely lost that line uh find us wherever you get your podcasts as well if if you found us somewhere else just subscribe it's it's really helpful so is telling a friend about the show spreading the word uh they say word of mouth is the best advertising and i happen to believe them whoever they are so uh that's really helpful for ben bromley and jason anderson i'm adam taylor we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason cornball express the lost coaster of superstition mountain Thank you.